Welcome to another episode of Lost in Twin Peaks. This one's going up pretty late, but hopefully up before midnight on Halloween. I'm working on it right now, so we'll see. Uh, I had an episode of my Twin Peaks Conversations uh, podcast on YouTube go up tonight, so that uh, pushed me back a little on that, but definitely check that out too. It's a long conversation with John Thorne, publisher of Wrapped in Plastic Magazine, of course, um, if you have already seen all of Twin Peaks. If you haven't, stick with this podcast for now because there's no spoilers here. We're going to talk about the question of who killed Laura Palmer, but just what we know up to this episode, gathering the clues, pulling them together, looking at the big picture, and dividing things into the different investigative threads. Make sure to check out my Illustrated Companion 2, linked below. That has screenshots and just a list of all the different elements there. So it's a nice sort of visual companion to what you're hearing. And then after talking about all these clues, we're going to look at the structure of this episode and break that down, how the narrative unfolds on screen in this episode. Here are the new clues we receive about that murder and the surrounding incidents in this episode. From Albert's autopsy and forensic work uh, via Gordon Cole, and this is obviously known to investigators, we find twine, uh, the twine from her that was binding her upper arms was Finley's Fine Twine. It's a common household variety. And it's not the same as where she, what she was bound with on her wrists. And also the bites on her shoulder are bird bites. From police work that the, the uh, detective and the crew do with uh, Philip Gerard and Lidecker's veterinary clinic, we find that based on the dream clues, Bob and the convenience store, and the autopsy results, the nearby twine product, Cooper concludes the bird was a client of this veterinarian, Lidecker's, and he takes the files to confirm that. And then we get more from Albert's autopsy forensic work via Gordon Cole. Uh, bird, the bird was a parrot or a minor bird. It's named Waldo, and it's owned by Jacques. And the object that was in Laura's stomach with the J on it is a one-eyed Jack's poker chip. And finally, from more police work out in the field with uh, at Jacques's house, we find a blood. They find a bloody shirt with Leo's initials connecting Jacques and Leo. For new clues about Laura's life leading up to her death, from Sarah, the investigators discover that Bob was positioned at the foot of Laura's bed. Uh, We couldn't tell in the close-up that was used in a previous episode. We know if we saw the European pilot that that's where he was supposed to be, or the uh, alternate ending to the pilot. But um, yeah, so this confirms that he was in Laura's room in the vision she had of him. And she says she's never seen him before. So we didn't know what her relationship to this vision was when she had it, but now she's fleshing it out a bit. From Jacoby, known to investigators, we find out that Laura spoke about a man with a red Corvette and that Jacoby followed it the night after she died but lost the trail. He confirms that she took drugs and vaguely confirms that she was having a lot of sex, uh, You know that she brought these issues to him, but he doesn't want to talk about it too much because of patient-doctor uh, confidentiality. And uh, he claims that he couldn't get past her fortress to, to, you know, her security system of not letting people know too much about her secrets. And also says that he didn't sleep with her. From Harry, we learn that uh, Leo drives a red Corvette. We see him with it later. So he's probably the one that Laura spoke about. And from Maddie, uh, known only to James at this point, we find out that Maddie and Laura used to impersonate sisters and that she hadn't seen her much lately. So that's kind of their relationship leading up to Laura's murder. From Donna, uh, known only to James, we find out that both Laura and Sarah were, quote, spooky. They saw things and had dreams. Then we see a lot of stuff that's known already to us, but characters are sharing it with each other for the first time. For example, Sarah tells the police and Donna about Bob and the necklace. Donna confirms to Audrey that Laura was taking cocaine and dating James. 
Audrey reveals to Donna that Laura was working at One-Eyed Jack's, uh, seeing Jacoby and working at the perfume counter with Renette. Bobby tells Shelley that James was seeing Laura. Shelley tells Bobby that Leo hangs out with Jacques. Bobby tells Shelley that Jacques and Leo might have given drugs to Laura. And Shelley shows Bobby Leo's bloody shirt. So that's a lot of character sharing stuff with each other. It goes back to that point I made about all these interconnections. Now, that's a lot of information. Let's see how we can organize that here. So separating the parts of the mystery as subplots, I'm going to point out that with the results of Albert's autopsy and a few seeds like Sarah sharing her vision and Audrey and Donna trading notes, we're now moving past the establishment part of the mystery and toward a more active pursuit of clues and suspects. As separate investigations begin to coalesce, each with particular areas of inquiry, this separate parts of the mystery section may start to fuse with the previous new clues. But for this episode, I'll just use it to consolidate the various threads because the input's still kind of scattered. I think we need to organize it here. So here are the active investigations. Uh, for our own observation, all of our info that we get in this episode is filtered through on-screen characters. We're not seeing anything that the directors, writers are showing only us. For the police and FBI investigation, from an interview with Jacoby, but mostly through the deft interweaving of dream clues, crime scene follow-up, and ongoing drug bust investigation, the team makes a series of breakthroughs, revealing that Jacques probably bought one of the twines binding Laura, owned the bird that bit her, and has possession of a bloody shirt belonging to Leo, who drives a red Corvette that Laura spoke about with Jacoby. Also, Laura swallowed a poker chip from One-Eyed Jacks. For the Audrey and Donna investigation... The duo trades notes, with Donna mostly confirming as Audrey reveals new details, to conclude that Laura was on drugs, dating two boys, may have worked at One-Eyed Jack's, and that she worked with Renette at the perfume counter. Except for One-Eyed Jack's and the perfume counter, most of this information actually comes from the police. It's filtered through Audrey to Donna. But now these characters are promising to branch off as Audrey gets a job where Laura worked. For the Donna and James investigation... Spurred by Sarah's revelation of the vision, the duo vow to find Laura's killer themselves. But so far, all they have to go on is the missing necklace. That's really their only private knowledge. Audrey's uh, given them some other information, and you know they have an awareness of Laura's life, and that's where they're starting from. So of those investigations, right now, really only the FBI and cops have a lot to go on, but the others have little threads to follow and see where they unravel. The Bobby Shelley investigation, they're seeking revenge in their own romantic aims more than resolution. Uh, they bring together the bloody shirt and Bobby's knowledge of the drug trade to set up Leo and Shock. They aren't really conducting an investigation so much as interfering with one. And finally, for a Jacoby investigation, he says his own personal investigation will go on for probably the rest of his life. But so far, other than learning that he followed a red Corvette and knowing that he possesses Laura's necklace, we don't really get any further sense of what that work might be. So the areas of inquiry that are covered by this investigation, uh, we don't need to go into each one, but I do want to mention that there are three new ones. One new one is One-Eyed Jacks. There's, uh, with the chip found in Laura's stomach, this is the first overt confirmation that she's connected. It was suspected up till now, but now we know she has some sort of connection to One-Eyed Jacks. Another new area of inquiry is Jacques as a suspect, uh, because we knew about him as part of the drug plot, but now we know with the Twine and Waldo and his link to Leo that he's somehow connected to Laura. And uh, finally, another new one that, like the other two, is also uh, was introduced as a non-Laura plot, or not overtly connected to Laura, and now is linked to her. That's Sarah's visions. Between uh, Bob and the necklace, we're finding out that uh, these elements that she saw are actually leading to new avenues in the investigation. There's also nothing new on the serial killer, the charity 
or the community aspects of her investigation have kind of fallen by the wayside for the moment. So let's gather clues and look at the big picture. So, Bobby is still hypocritically angry about Laura's betrayal with James. Laura's friends discover she worked with Renette. More of the physical evidence from the crime scene or Laura's corpse is identified and produces results. The police have evidence Leo and Jacques are connected. Laura talked about Leo's car. Jacoby says he didn't sleep with her, at least on the night she died. Ben was close to Laura, and she has a link to the bordello he frequents. And Cooper's dream and Sarah's visions are providing a useful, or at least suspiciously coincidental, guide in the police investigation. In short, Laura was a publicly generous and privately troubled young woman who worked at Ben's department store, was involved in criminal networks, may have had a violent encounter with Leo and or Jacques the day she died, and was tortured and murdered by a possibly occultist serial killer who may be her mystery man. Structurally, rather than hopscotch across an array of one-scene subplots, the episode tends to stretch several threads, returning to characters to build on what unfolded in the previous scene, and also to pick up largely abandoned elements and convert them into engines of the plot. The primary spine, of course, is Cooper and the sheriff's team following up on various clues, sometimes in a very satisfying daisy chain of leads. But there are other parallel spines, too. Donna wants to, literally, dig up Laura's past, a desire planted in the very scene that launches today's police investigation. Audrey wants to embed herself in Laura's milieu. Norma must grapple with Hank and his eventual parole. Shelley's relationships are overwhelming her. Bobby cooks up a plan to take out Leo. Ben plans to burn down the mill. And Josie, by proxy Harry as well, pursues and is pursued by various threatening acquaintances. Hell, even Andy has to navigate several ongoing personal challenges. In fact, as I look through the episode, I can find almost no scene that is the only scene to deal with a particular storyline. Except for Jacoby's interview, Ben's call to Jerry about the Icelanders, and maybe James's introduction to Maddie. And in all three cases, those are parts of larger scenes where many other more ongoing storylines also unfold. So this sense of like every scene being part of a bigger whole, even within that episode, this contributes a lot to the episode's flow. The commercial breaks are as follows. At 12 minutes between Catherine's poker chip and the one-armed man looking at Bob's sketch. At 21 minutes between Cooper taking, uh, talking, or taking the veterinary files and uh, Bobby and Shelley's makeout session. And at 33 minutes between Norma finding out Hank got parole and Ben cycling and talking to Jerry. I think that's it which is fewer commercial breaks than usual, along with the way that certain sequences unfold on either side of a break, like, for example, the one-armed man, and the tandem way that various storylines are stretched over the whole episode, it makes this one harder to divide uh, into self-enclosed acts, as I've tried to do with some of the other episodes. Instead, the breaks serve as climaxes within different stretches of the plot. One finally leading us to the one-armed man after a lot of build-up. One concluding the detective's daytime excursion with some bounty to bring back to the station. And one more conclusively settling the Norma Hanks storyline. On the previously on recap that was aired at the time, from the, they're showing us scenes from previous episodes, they mix actually quite a few from like the pilot in episode one. Uh, we see Hawk saying that there's no sign of the one-armed man. We see the one-armed man at the hospital with a voiceover talking about how Hawk's a tracker. We see Maddie and, uh, introduced to, uh, back to Leland. We see a hand taking the necklace in the woods, and then we see Jacoby looking at it. We see Shelley seeing the bloody shirt. Harry introducing that there's drugs coming across the border, mentioning Jacques. 
as we see him looking at the red light. We see Bernie tied up in the bookhouse as he's asked, did you ever sell drugs to Laura Palmer? Harry punches Albert onto Laura. Sarah sees Bob and screams. And finally, we end with a traffic night light as if uh, all of that wasn't enough. So we can see they're really trying to refresh our memory on a ton of stuff that's going to be relevant in this episode. That's sort of our first hint that this is going to be pretty plot heavy. Laura's murder is once again the top storyline of this episode. It's got eight scenes, more than it's had in the past couple ones where it was still the top storyline. So the fact that the funeral's over... Cooper is now like, come on, let's go. Let's find some suspects. Let's chase down the Jacques uh, thread and all of that. So, you know, I, I think within the murder storyline, uh, Waldo the bird might be number one. But just o- overall, between Jacques, the bloody shirt, Waldo, all of that, like Laura's murder is, is at the forefront. And again, remember in the pilot in the first episode after it, Laura's relationship to James was the top storyline. So interesting to see that that is fading at this moment uh, in favor of just a more general uh, investigation into her death. That's it for this episode. Make sure to uh, rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. And uh, if you enjoy this and other material and want to hear much more, become a patron at patreon.com slash lostinthemovies. Tomorrow we will discuss the different scenes of this episode organized by the Laura Palmer storyline. So still focusing on Laura there.